I want to take you back to a couple of sermons that Micah shared with us a while ago because I believe they are so important for our church at this point. And so you're going to have to bear with me, number one, because I'm not Micah, and you will not find the depth of study and the depth of knowledge and that that Micah has in his sermons. However, I trust you'll find a love for God's Word and, uh, and a desire to see God's Word fulfilled in our church, as I share with you. So I'm Don Congo, for those of you that don't know. I'm excited with the changes that are happening here at Entwistle Church. There are so many new people. My history goes back, way back, in this church, and there's not too many here today that can say that theirs goes back further. Ray Nelson there can, of course, and, and Ron Hamer, not Linda, but Ron, he can say it. And, of course, Bob and Loretta Kane were here before I came. They are part of the reason that my family started coming here. And um, Ernie and Anthony, I'm not sure whether we were here first or you guys were, but uh, I think uh, we were here before Anthony was, and, and uh, well, right in that same age group anyway. And uh, we fellowship together. And, but in this whole time, I do not believe that there was a single period where we saw more people, new people, come into our church as we do now. As you've come in, you've noticed some things about Antwistle, and something that I hear very often mentioned is the advantage of, that we have here in Antwistle Church, that we have so many capable people. There are many people that could stand up in this congregation and take Micah's place here at the pulpit. There are so many that can teach Sunday school knowledgeably and, and, and efficiently. There are so many people that can share the word with others. And besides that, there are so many people that can take care of the music. And we have such a wealth of musical abilities in this church. And the sound system back there. Now, if you were asking me, there's no way you would have decent mic systems. There's no way you would have that up there. There's no way that you people at home would be seeing what you are and participating with us online. But we have those people. We have the office and we have the accounting. We have the sound system, the live streaming, the, the projection. We have the, the maintenance how do you maintain a place like this? But we have the maintenance people both inside and out. We have the janitorial. And we see so much and so many capable people. Look at the home groups. How many leaders we have teaching in the home groups and reaching the community. How many people we have that just on a day-to-day -day basis, on a one-to-one -one level, are reaching and touching lives for God. And it is exciting. But with that comes a fear, possibly, 
and new people coming in that says, how on earth do I fit in? How on earth can I get involved in a church where there is, there is so much? where there is talent, where there is capabilities. How do I fit in coming into this new situation and possibly just coming to know God? How can I step into this? I've just received Christ. I've just been baptized. How do I come into this church and participate? How do I find my niche within this church? And that's why I want to share with you 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you'll turn with me to... 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to read it, and then we're going to be discussing it. Now about spiritual gifts, Paul says to the church in Corinth, Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit... The message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous signs. I'm sorry, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit as he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Greeks or Jews, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the party, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body 
and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be equal, should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having the gifts of healing and those able to help others, those with, gift of, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a resounding gong, a clinging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, and have not, and I'll try again. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. And then he goes to define that love. I want to do a couple of things here. I want to recognize first that this list of gifts is not an exhaustive list. Paul is not trying to lay down, you have to have one of these gifts. And it is not my goal to try and take these gifts and define them. Many have tried that and argued with each other for a long time on how they're supposed to be interpreted, interpreted and all that, and I'm not going to try to do that. But what I want to do is look beyond these things and look to the principles of what God is saying in this passage. My grandsons, David and Stephen, they sing in a boys' choir. Now you would think that having a boys' choir should be a simple thing, right? The gal that's in charge of this boys' choir is such a go-getter, it's unbelievable. This boys' choir has groups. There's the beginners, the little boys that are so cute that, that she is training beautifully. Then there's the junior choir. And they go in there and they're singing away and they've already got a lot of training and the quality of music that that little choir can produce is phenomenal. And then they have the voice changers because boys, as you all know, hit that stage. And my grandson, David, he went from singing up here to being a deep bass in a matter of three weeks. There is a voice a group called the voice changers. David was in the voice changers for three weeks. And then he went into the senior choir because his voice had changed so drastically and he became one of the deeper basses in the boys' choir. Absolutely phenomenal. And so she's got then 
The, the senior choir, after the voice changers, and then a lot of the fellows that have lived in the area and gone through this many choirs has come back and said, hey, we want to still be a part. And they have the men of song. And they come back and they work together and they sing. So the boys' choir is four choirs, five choirs that work together and do a phenomenal job. And those little beginners sing with the men of song in the mass, the group choir, and do a phenomenal job. They do their little parts too, but at least once in every performance, the whole works will get together and these tiny kids are singing with the, the older kids and they just adore it. And those older guys are just encouraging them and helping them. It's a phenomenal thing. And you know what? The Church of Jesus Christ, this church at Entwistle, is very much like that. God has a master plan, just as she has a master plan of what group goes where and she coordinates it and everything. God has a master plan, a blueprint, if you want, for our church. And he is continually, continually working to develop, to build his church out of what Peter calls us, the living stones. I uh, enjoy working tiling. I enjoy working with a little bit of brickwork. I'm not good. I'm not a professional tiler. I'm not a professional bricklayer. But I, I enjoy doing it when I've got lots of time and I can patiently go about doing it. And I've done quite a bit of it in homes, around fireplaces, in bathrooms, and so on. And I love doing it. But it is one thing to take a tile or a box of tiles that are all the same size. Don't believe it, but relatively the same size and put them together in a pattern that really looks good. Now they give me another one, these fake rocks. And because they're rocks, even though they are fake, they're all different sizes and, and, and shapes and, and not fieldstone, not round ones like we have, but, but square, some are almost triangular, they're so out of shape, and so on. And you're trying to place them together to make something that looks half decent. That gets complicated. Now, take it one step further. You got someone building a castle, and they've got rocks. Again, not field stone, but square rocks that have been hewed out of the mountains. And none of them are the same size. And they're taking that and they're trying to make a building out of that. Way beyond me. Now I want you to take it one step further. What if those rocks were living stones? And they keep on changing shape on you. And they keep on changing abilities with you. And you put them in their place and pretty soon they're stretching out of that place. Or they're shrinking down and there's gaps around it. God has taken on himself a monstrous job to make us living stones into a church to his glory. 
into a temple for himself. But that's what he's doing. And each one of us are involved in that process. And you think you've got a, finally got a handle on what you're doing. And, and God has given me this ability to help people out. And everything's going good. And I'm enjoying being able to step in the breach and help people do things that they, they can't do on their own. And then suddenly God gives me this horrendous pain in my legs so that I cannot put in an eight-hour day. So that I can't climb ladders without agony. So that I get home and groan and Dorothy runs to me with coffee. Dorothy's pretty good. You know, I think that even when the pain's gone, I still go and go home and groan. I, I kind of like that, you know? But all of a sudden, this hole, this, this, this place, this this niche I've gotten this wall that God has given me for the ministry that he's prepared for me, all of a sudden I don't fit in it anymore. I just don't fit in it. So what happens to this building made of living stones? All of a sudden there's a draft in the kitchen because Don Congo is shrunken and he isn't what he was. But God, <laughs> the secret, but God. What I'm saying is that the stones are continuously changing. You come in, you accept Jesus Christ, you're baptized into, our, in, into the body of Jesus Christ, you're baptized into his death, into his burial, you become a member of this church, and you, and you start growing. And God has that little spot for you in his wall. And you're, you're, you're mortared right in there. But then you start growing. And you start learning more about him. And your abilities change and you're, you're expanding. Does God have room for you in that building? Does God have room for you when you're just new and you don't understand and you're, you're wanting to learn and you're sitting there and you're absorbing? Everyone else is doing something, but there you are and you're wondering, how do I fit in this, in this building? Believe God that he has a place for that living stone that you are in this building. And as you develop, he's going to develop that place for you. The advantage of living stones is that they keep on stretching and the wall isn't a static thing. I want you to note, as we re we've read through here, that the work of the whole Godhead is involved in this process of, of gifts for the people. The Trinity in this is beautiful. Special times when... All through the Bible, there's special times when the Trinity, we see the three working together. What's the first time? Creation. And we see in John 1 that Jesus Christ was with God. Jesus Christ is God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John chapter 1. But in Genesis 1, the Father says, let there be light. And there is light. The Father says, let, 
and so on. And there is. So it's the Father that's creator. No, it's Jesus that's creator. And in Genesis we find too that the Holy Spirit is there hovering over the waters and inspecting the work. <laughs> and God says that it was good. The three of them involved in that creation experience. Another place where we see all three clearly represented is in the baptism of Jesus Christ. Jesus goes down into the water and is baptized by John the Baptist. When he comes out of the water, what happens? The Holy Spirit descends on him as a dove. What else? God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the three of them are right there. Is there any other places you can think of right away? The temptation of Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit leading him out in the desert and Christ using the word and the Father giving that strength and that pleasure in the Son. How about the commission of the believers? What did Christ say? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And here again we see it. And we're going to look again at verse 4 here. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but one Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. So we see, number one, differing gifts, the same Spirit. No conflict, no confusion. There is different gifts, but all in one body, supplied by one spirit. Different kinds of service, one Lord, one foreman, if you want, overseeing the workers, all doing the different services. Have you ever been in a well-oiled building site? And you've got the electricians running their wires and the plumbers taking their sawzalls and cutting the wires behind them. No, 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 that's not what you do. Putting in the pipes behind them. You see the carpenters in there already outside. The place is framed and they're already working on roofing and so on and so forth. And you get all of these parts. And as it progresses, in comes the drywallers. And they're mudding and taping and then the painters, and, and then the tilers coming in behind them, the floor layers and everything. And each one has a specific job to do, but it is one job that they're doing. It's one building that they're building. And each of their gifts, each of their abilities go to that one job. And that's the way it is with the Church of Jesus Christ. We each have our jobs to do, and we're doing it together. And we find that in this one here, let's take it in reverse order. There's God the Father with the master plan, looking it over and making sure that everything is done by that. There's Jesus Christ, the head foreman, who is watching the building of this building and watching over and caring for the workers and making sure they're doing as the Father's plan says. And there's the Holy Spirit supplying both the materials, the, the, the equipment, if you want, and the wisdom 
the training to the workers as they're building. And it's neat to me that in the building of the Church of Jesus Christ, you see again all three of them clearly delineated in their work to see the Church of Christ growing. Let's take a closer look at the plan. Let's look at, I'm going to jump around in this chapter, in this chapter so you're going to have to pay attention to, to me and check me when I give you the wrong verse because I always do that in every sermon. So you'll be aware of it when it happens. Verse 16 and 17. Let's read it. If I can find it here. My old Bible used to have them all on one side. And if the ears say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to a body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? What do we see here? We see that in God's plan, God has arranged just as he desires for us to be what he wants us to be. Verse 18 goes on to say, uh, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Beautiful. God has arranged each one of you to be exactly what he wants you to be, both in this church here and in the church universal. God has put you here in Entwistle for a job that he has for you. Steve, you're new. You're relatively new here. Believe that God has put you here for a purpose. And God is going to be revealing to you what he wants you to do in this church. Some of us old-timers, we've been here a long time, and we're thinking, you know, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. But God has still arranged for us to do that ministry that he has specifically chosen for us to do. I admired my mother who, when she got too old to do all the baking and cooking and everything that she loved to do so much in a church and running around and, and talking to people and encouraging people, my mom was a real gabber. Hmm. Have I inherited anything? No. She was in a new church and within a couple of years she was coordinating the prayer, coordinating the prayer, giving, having a list of people that she knew would pray and, and forwarding prayer requests to them and just coordinating the prayer life of that church. It was beautiful. It was beautiful, and she could do it from her wheelchair or her walker. I think often when we get older, we say, and all I can do now is pray. You got that wrong. The most important thing you can do the whole time is pray. Suddenly you are free to focus on the most important thing in the church. And that is to pray. 
Verse 28, in the church, God has appointed the workers. As we look at verse 28, it says, and the church, and in the church, God has appointed first the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the workers of miracles and so on. God has appointed you to the task that he gives you. And he has a task for you. And then in verses 7 and 11, the manifestation is for the God, common good. The manifestation. The manifestation of the, of the Spirit is that which the Spirit creates in you that is seen on the outside. Or if you want the gifts that God has given you to fulfill. So in verse 7, we go back there and it says what? It says, now to each one the manifestation of of the Spirit is given for the common good. You are given your gift. It isn't given to you. It is given to the church through you. Don't say this is my gift. This is God's gift to the church. If you have an ability to cut the lawns, if you have the equipment, you have the time to cut the lawns, that is God's gift to the church through you. You have that ability to pick up the phone and talk on the phone for a half an hour. I cannot understand how that's even possible. You have ability to talk to someone for a half an hour and encourage them and pick them up and they go from doldrums to joy in that half hour. If you have that gift of encouragement. That is God's gift to you, Dorothy. That is God's gift to the church through you. That is God's gift to the church through you. I cannot understand how she can possibly do it. Let's go on to verse 11. All these are the works of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Does it give you a sense of confidence? Does it give you a sense of recognition that you are in God's hands when you know that the Holy Spirit has given you the abilities that he has given you just as he determined? He looked at the church and said, I need someone that will do this. And there's Judy. I'm going to use her. And he gives her this phenomenal ability of cooking. Ah, she thought it was going to be something else. But I know that her major gift is cooking. He looks at each one of us and says, I give them this gift because this is what I wish for them to do in that church and in my master plan that is all coming together for the fulfillment of good for the body. And whatever your gift is, the Holy Spirit has planned ahead of time how that is going to fit into this group and how God is going to use that to bless every member of the body. So you're looking at me and you say, I don't know that I have a gift. Well, 
let's go back to verses 12 and 13. The body is a unit, though it is made of many parts, and all of these parts are many. They form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. When does that happen? When are you baptized into the body of Jesus Christ? By the way, baptism is basically the colloquial word for being immersed. And uh, Seba Church loved it when I said, it means being dunked. You are being immersed. And here it says that the Holy Spirit immerses you into one body. And you are all given one spirit to drink. When does that happen? That happens the day you recognize that you are a sinner in need of the grace of God. And you bow before God and say, I accept Christ's free gift of salvation. I recognize that I have fallen short of the glory of God and it doesn't take much to realize that. I recognize that I have sinned, that I've fallen short of the glory of God, that I can't do it on my own. And I recognize that Jesus Christ died a substitutionary death. Well, probably you wouldn't say that on the day you accepted Christ, but what it means is simply that Christ substituted himself into our, our place. He took our sins on himself and suffered the consequences of those sins, which is death, which is eternal separation from God, but he conquered. But he conquered. Why did Christ say on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, why have you done this to me? Why have you turned your back on me? Portuguese says, why have you turned your back on me, Father? Suddenly, on that cross, Christ was loaded down with my sins and your sins. And he died, and he took the punishment of them, but in victory he rose from the dead. That's his side of the substitution. So now... He's taken, and before God, he bore my guilt and conquered it. I have the privilege, the phenomenal privilege of standing before God in Christ's righteousness and walking into the presence of the Father with audacious joy. Father, I am here and embracing Abba Father. Do you get it? And why is it possible? Because I am standing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He stood before the Father. He hung on that cross before the Father with all my sin on him. I stand before the Father in his righteousness. And when Satan comes and says, oh, you're, you're not so good. I know what you did. 
I can turn to Satan and say, get thee behind me. Christ has taken that sin. You want to talk about it, you talk to him. I am forgiven. I am forgiven and I'm a son of the Heavenly Father. And I have free access to his presence. At that point, at that time when I do that, I am baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. My sins are washed away. And I'm raised to newness of life, living in that life that God has for me. And I am immersed into the body by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon me. And never again do I walk without the Holy Spirit with me. There's times when I don't obey. There's times when I'm not conscious of him. There's times when I'm not aware of his presence in my life. And I'm not really in tune with him. But the Holy Spirit is with me. If they have not the Spirit, they are none of his. But you only receive the Holy Spirit when you've come to Christ and said, yes, I'm a sinner. I can't do this on my own. I cannot come to the Father in my own righteousness because all my righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I can only come through you, Christ. And he says, well, that's what I've been telling you all along. For there is no way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except by me. Why, aren't we good enough? <laughs> no, you certainly aren't. We are a bunch of sinners. And you can't say... Well, I've never murdered anyone, and I've been awful good to my neighbors, so even though I maybe told a few white lies and so on, I, I've done a lot of good, therefore God will accept me because I'm really not all that bad. You know, I've done these good things too. How many sins does it take to be a sinner? Actually, you're a sinner before you sin. Just by our very nature, we are by nature sons of wrath. We are by our human inheritance sinners. The fact that we sin is because we're sinners. We're not sinners because how does that go? Anyway, I'll let you finish that sentence. But we stand before God forgiven when we've come to Jesus Christ and asked him for forgiveness. At that point, we are immersed immersed by the Holy Spirit into the body. At that point, as this passage is said in two, three different places, you've seen it. At that point, you are given gifts to be used in the church. But I don't have any gifts. Oh, yes, you do. Maybe you haven't developed them. Maybe you don't even know what they are. But God, when you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you and gives the church a gift for through you. And it may take years for you to develop that gift, for you to even realize what that gift is. Is it important that we know what our gifting is? I had a friend that always said, the best ability you can bring to the church is availability. 
the best ability you can bring is availability. And at the end of this chapter 12, it says, but seek ye the greater gifts. Now, I'm probably going to get hit on my hermeneutics on this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I really believe that that is not for the individuals as much as it is for the church. That I don't even need to seek out the gifts. The Holy Spirit will give me a gift. As a church, we need to be seeking out the greater gifts. We need to be seeking out people's gifts in general and putting them to work and developing those gifts in the individuals. What a job the board has. What a job the pastor has. What a beautiful church we have where people are doing that continuously, are in there working and using their gifts, maybe without even knowing they have. Maybe without even knowing they have them, but using them for God in such a way that this building we are building, that God is building out of us, is being raised up. A fantastic temple for the glory of God. I want you to notice the diversity. The body isn't one member. The body isn't all people that can teach. The body isn't all made up of encouragers. Though we are commanded to do these things, the ones that are really gifted in it are the ones that God has put in that place for that ministry and given that gift to it. And just as my body has many members, and some of them function well, some don't, this hand here is a vice. This hand is totally useless for anything like drawing or, or anything like that. But it's a good vice. This hand here will do the fancy work, and this, va this hand will hold it so that I can do it. My feet, they're useless in many ways. And yet they do something that my hands can't do. I've never been able to walk on my hands. And so on. So it is with the church. We have people doing things here that I could never possibly even dream of doing. Renee there, she's a phenomenal wizard at this whole computer thing. It's got me beat. It's got me beat. And so on. And we can go down the line and we can look at each of the ministries in this church. And we can say God has gifted certain individuals for it. The servant heart and care that Tracy takes each week in cleaning this place is something that even if I tried, I could not do. And God has gifted her in a fantastic way to do those things. But you know what? God has gifted each of us. Each of us that have come to know Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, he has gifted us to be put to work in the same way in this church. And we each have that role to have. So we are not static. It's not a static gifting. It is a developing gifting. From the point where I'm immersed into the body of Jesus Christ, I don't even know what my gifting is. 
right through until that gifting is, is something that my body cannot do anymore. God gifts us and develops us to fulfill that ministry. We are living stones growing in our places, and the place changes as they do. That is a picture of what God is doing in the church. New stones, gifts not yet recognized coming in. He has a place for you. He has a ministry for you and, will, and has equipped you and will train you to perform that function. As long as you have that one ability, availability. As you grow and develop, that space you hold will stretch and reshape to his specs. As you seek him and develop in relationship with him and in his body, your skills and strength will change and your gift will adapt to the needs of the body and yourself. But God is there to guide, to oversee, to equip you every step of the way and every straight stage of your ministry. Are you just getting your feet wet? Tentatively seeking to understand what this church is all about? Sensing your need for God? To know him? To have him fill that hollow within you? Have you sensed your need to deal with some of your past? And certainly, we're not all proud of our past. Possibly ways you have hurt others and been less than ideal? Do you sense your need to be right with God? Come to Jesus Christ. First and foremost, seek his forgiveness and the fellowship of the Father. And let me tell you, if you come up here and talk to any one of us about that need, we will be more than glad to guide you and help you with it. Maybe you're one of the Christians that sit and take it in. You've accepted Christ's forgiveness, but never become involved in the church. I would encourage you to step out, to realize that God has given you a gift, but it's not for you, it's for the body. God has given you a gift for the body, and he wants to use you to meet those needs in the body that you are gifted for. Allow God to direct you into the place made for you to serve him. You see someone that's doing something that you would really like to do? Talk to them. Talk to them and ask them if they can include you. If you, they can work you into that ministry, and I don't think there's too many in the church that would say, no, I don't want any help. I think you will find that they are very glad. Are you seeking furtherance? Living stones grow into their changing places. You're no longer able to do the rock lifting? Become a hand lifter. Lifting up hands of others by your prayer, by your encouragement. Grow into that vacancy that God has for you. God, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the beauty of your plan, 
the generosity of your plan that has given your own son that we might live and given us abilities, Lord, that are here for your church, given us the opportunity to serve you in these ways. God, bless us and put us to work, God. Show us where you want us. In Jesus' name, amen.